So hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you all to another installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. My name is Lee Nichols, and I'm the Vice President of Content for Gulf Energy Information and the Editor-in-Chief of Hydrocarbon Processing. So today we have a very special guest joining us, Kurt Graham. He's the Vice President, Office of Technology at Floor. And today we're going to be taking a deep dive into the topic of carbon capture and storage. It's a very popular and interesting topic, so we're really glad that Kurt can join us today and give us a couple minutes. So with that, I'd like to welcome in our special guest. Kurt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excellent. Now, before we dive into the topic of carbon capture and storage, which from now on we'll refer to as CCS, I'm sure everyone's familiar with that. Uh, can you tell the audience a little bit more about Floor and your role with the organization? Sure. So Floor is a Fortune 500 company. We do uh, engineering, procurement, and construction um, worldwide. Um, we've been in business about 110 years, um, and we have uh, engineering services across energy solutions, which is refineries, chemical plants, LNG facilities, um, urban solutions, which does advanced technology and life sciences, mining and metals and infrastructure. And then we also have a government services branch that we call uh, Mission Solutions. Um, my role is I support uh, the company globally across all of the business groups with um, strategy around technology and particularly around energy transition over the last two or three years. Uh, I also have all of our technical experts in the company have dotted line reporting into me so I can get the right expert um, to the right job to support our clients. And then finally, I'm uh, responsible for all of our licensed technology. Um, we're not just uh, an engineering company. We also provide process licenses in the fields of uh, sulfur recovery, um, natural gas treating and processing, and carbon capture. So I'm responsible for those licenses. Excellent. So thank you. Thanks for that. So now let's just dive into the conversation here because this promise of CCS has been talked about for a while and has garnered a lot of attention recently. So I guess just to start the conversation off, what's your perspective on the state of CCS today? So I think it's a, a really interesting time. Um, we've had several carbon capture technologies that have been around for quite some time, have proven themselves to be uh, technically viable. Um, have some long-term operation experience. Um, and I think now we're seeing governments move to the point where either through subsidies or taxes, um, you know, the dollars around that have risen to the level where these technologies are commercially viable um, as well as being technically viable. So it's exciting times. Um, there's a lot of interest from, you know, all the people in the world um, society-wise trying to deal with all these carbon emissions. And I think governments have finally gone beyond just talking about it. Um, they've actually done some of the things required to make these uh, economic projects. Excellent. And, and one of the biggest things you mentioned there is the technology part of it. And that's kind of where I want to go with this next question. So what technology solutions does your company bring to industrial customers? And, and I'm curious, as kind of a follow-up to that, what's the number one myth that you'd like to dispel about CCS technology? Sure. So um, Fleur has two technologies um, for carbon capture that we offer as licenses. Um, one is the uh, fluor solvent technology, which uh, really is focused on hydrogen production plants, being able to capture um, CO2 from the process gas at pressure. Um, it's an interesting process because it doesn't require any heat to regenerate. It's all done with uh, flash regeneration. Um, so it's a low energy option to capture CO2, um, and we're, we're really pushing for it to, uh, to 
attack this kind of niche market, right? Hydrogen production is only a portion, a small portion of the total um, carbon emissions, but it's an interesting technology. Um, the other technology, which is a, a much more universal technology, is the Economine FG Plus technology, and this is uh, our amine-based solution for post-combustion capture. So post-combustion capture is capturing CO2 from flue gases just before they exit to atmosphere. Um, the technology's been around for uh, 30 years. We've been working on it and improving it. Um, it's very robust. Uh, we've got a plant that was running on gas turbine um, exhaust that operated for over 15 years. Um, so we really feel like the technology is um, very well proven and we're seeing it be very economic um, and competitive out in the market. As far as myths, I think one of the big myths is that, you know, the only way we can handle carbon capture is with some breakthrough new technologies. Um, breakthrough new technologies are fantastic and, and we try to support uh, bringing those to market where we can. But there's actually the technology both on the on the technology side and on the economic side that's ready to do this work now. But we got to get moving on it because these are large projects. It's a massive amount of CO2 that's being emitted. So um, we need to get these uh, technologies out there and, and working in the industry. Yeah, and that brings me to my next question. So I'm glad you mentioned that. So what are you seeing as the biggest challenges to the widespread widespread deployment of CCS on a scale that's going to be needed to meet these global uh, climate targets? As, as I'm sure you're aware, can be very stringent in many parts of the world. Yeah, so I think, you know, there's several items um, at play there. I think um, one is this is just a massive task, um, you know, for the world to take on. Um, you know, CO2 emissions are widespread. Um, they're in orders of magnitude that I think is hard for people to even grasp. Um, so this is a lot of capital projects, um, and these capital projects generally very large scale. Um, you know, you're not going to go from concept to an operating plant in, you know, five or six months. These are several year projects in many cases, particularly on, you know, a huge mega power plant. Um, so there's a lot of capital that needs to be deployed, which means there has to be uh, uh, appropriate economics around that. Um, and, you know, most of that has to come from some sort of government subsidy or, or a tax um, because the CO2 itself is not generating a lot of revenue right now. Um, I think the other thing is, We've been in the mode for a long time of people saying we should do something about CO2 and the economics not being there. And there's built up this kind of feel in the markets and among clients that carbon capture is just too expensive. And it's a very nebulous kind of thing that's out there. Um, it, it's not too expensive with some of the, the, the pricing we're seeing now. I mean, with uh, IRA, uh, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, getting uh, CO2 pricing at $85 a ton, these large-scale projects for CO2 capture um, are economic. So there's a lot of kind of, you know, built up, I don't know, callous to this, well, we can't do C uh, carbon capture. We need new technologies where CO2 capture is going to cost almost nothing. Um, and it has really hindered projects moving through, you know, studies, getting them past that and getting into uh, final investment decision, moving the projects forward. So uh, a world where we still need more energy um there isn't the engineering and production capacity today to meet the goals of the projects we need to do by 2050 so we really need to get um you know, these kind of projects moving with engineering contractors being able to grow to meet the demand suppliers being able to meet the demand and financial institutions being ready to support you know 
many, many thousands of these units going through the world. And I think that's uh, that's a big hurdle, and I don't think people have really uh, internally digested how big a, a task this is for us. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> now, with that, I'd like to pivot a little bit here and talk briefly about the Carbon to Value Initiative, which I know your organization was deeply involved in. Now, as, as I understand it, the Carbon to Value Initiative, it focuses on helping these innovators develop solutions for uh, capture and then converting that CO2 into valuable products or services. So can you talk a little bit about the innovative solution that these types of companies are working on and, of course, the role that your company's playing uh, in helping bring these solutions to market? Sure. So uh, with the C2V um, uh, program, you know, we looked at nearly 100 applications, so uh, uh, about 100 technologies that uh, applied for the program. Um, we whittled it down to uh, a little less than 10. Um, the ones that that we moved forward with working with um, ranged from you know using um, carbon dioxide to, to as a feedstock to make uh, carbon fibers, um, a couple different technologies that could use CO2 in in making cement um, or improving how uh, the cement process is um, goes through to making final uh, concrete. Um, technology around membranes to more easily separate gases um, and reduce uh, carbon emissions or even capture CO2. Um, we had some uh, direct air capture, so capturing CO2 directly from the air um, technology. So really a wide range of uh, technologies. Um, Fleur's role in this was to kind of be the, the thought partner for these um, companies on how they can move from a great idea that's maybe been tested in a lab or maybe at uh, an initial pilot plant, what it's going to take to move those projects all the way to a final product um, at a commercial scale. So the reason for that is, you know, technology companies that are starting up, you know, they're, they're fantastically innovative people who've come up with great technology. Um, and they know a lot about their technology, but to deploy technology as a commercial scale requires a lot of skill sets beyond just that initial technology. There's a, a balance of plant that needs to wrap that technology, and they don't necessarily have the uh, the number of people um, in their company to be able to have all that expertise in house. So, we help them um, with with that expertise. We help them with, hey, these are the the kind of business steps you need to go through to get a project to to move forward and then provide um, engineering um, uh, experts to talk to them about, hey, these are the key areas that you need to focus on to make your uh, technology viable. Excellent. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting organization. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty, I bet it's pretty incredible to see the type of things that, that get put in front of you, the new technologies that show up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I would say, you know, one of the big advantages for Fleur, I mean, obviously, if we can create, you know, new clients who we've worked with from, you know, the cradle all the way to commercialization, that's great for us. But for me and the experts, the, the technical experts I work with, those technical experts being able to engage with this cutting edge technology has really been a positive for us. It gets um, you know these experts excited. It gets them to think about new things, um, and all of them are very interested in energy transition and what the next technologies coming down the road are. So it's really been a benefit for Fleur to participate uh, in the program. 
Excellent. Yeah, I bet so. It sounds like a great organization. Um, now, I do have one last question for you, and I, I need you to kind of peer into your crystal ball for this one. But so where do you think that the carbon capture and storage uh, industry technology will be in 10 years from now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's hard to look in that crystal ball. If we if we were all perfect at doing that, we'd all be rich, right? But um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, we're seeing some really positive signs. Um, we're seeing, you know, one hurdle is just getting permitting for for sequestering CO2 underground. It's a, a non-trivial thing to be able to work through um, that permitting, and it changes, you know, depending on the uh, the governments involved and the the jurisdictions involved. But we are seeing um, so in the U.S. their Class Six disposal wells are getting permitted. Um, we're seeing movement in Europe for offshore. Um, we're seeing technologies to to mineralize CO2 directly into rock. So I think all those things are fantastic and are part of the, you know, you can't just capture the CO2, you have to have some place to put it. We have a lot of work to do around um, pipelines and, and ganging CO2 capture together to get it to those sequestration um, locations. So with the, the economics we're starting to see, you know, I'm pretty optimistic. We're going to see a, a lot of carbon capture and sequestration projects. I think we need them because to to get to the kind of magnitude of CO2 reductions we're we're all looking for, I don't think we can do it without carbon capture and sequestration. We just can't move the energy markets that fast. So, I mean, my my hope is in 10 years we're going to be seeing um, carbon capture projects and sequestration projects as kind of a normal project, like you would see any other project. Wouldn't won't be, you know, an exciting and new and novel thing because um, we need it to be, uh, you know, kind of journeyman type work because we need to get a lot of this done. I do think that we're probably not going to be where we hope we are in terms of deployment because these projects are large um, and they take time and we haven't started you know, 50 or 60 of these projects into construction yet. Um, so 10 years is coming fast. I mean, 2030 is almost upon us. Um, but I think we'll start gaining momentum. And I think once we start deploying these projects, people are seeing, um, you know, return on investments. So they're not seeing this as a huge loss of money. They're seeing the projects be technically successful and delivered. I think that's going to add a lot of confidence. And I think the market will wrap up, will ramp up very rapidly. So I think it'll be exciting times, but there's a lot of work to do. <laughs> That's true. Excellent. Well, listen, Kurt, really cannot thank you enough for providing us a couple minutes here to discuss this crucial topic with us on, on CCS. Uh, it's really, really interesting stuff. And like I said, extremely timely. And of course, uh, at the end of this, we really want to thank all of you for listening to another installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. Thanks again, Kurt, for joining us. Thanks so much, Lee.